Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. I uh, heard a story about a pastor that goes to heaven. Obviously, this is a true story. A pastor goes to heaven and he gets to heaven and he reaches the pearly gates and uh, you know, they, they welcome him in and they say, hey, let's take you to, to your house. And uh, he noticed when he was standing in line, there was somebody from church standing behind him. And uh, he's there and he's looking, he's like, you know, I wonder what t- sort of house I'm going to get. I've been a pastor for 20 plus years and, and I've been preaching every week. I'm sure my house is going to be massive. I've earned a huge mansion. But he turns up to heaven and there's just a little small house for him. So he gets a little bit inquisitive. I wonder what happened to Fred, who was standing behind me. I wonder, you know, he was at church and he wasn't always totally interested in church or involved. He's probably going to have a tiny little house. And so he watched when Fred came through the pearly gates and just watched when Fred got led to his house. But he watched as Fred went to this massive mansion. He was a bit stunned. He's like, got a bit upset. And he went to speak to St. Peter at the pearly gates. He's like, St. Peter. What's going on right now? You know, I turned up. I've been preaching for 20 plus years. I feel like I was changing the world. And, you know, I preach the gospel every single week. And I turn up to a nice little house. And Fred, Fred never did a thing in the house of God. He never got involved once. And and Fred has got this massive mansion. What's going on, St. Peter? St. Peter says, well, it's as simple as this. You preached every single week. Most people slept. Some people got involved. Every now and then somebody prayed because you preached. But listen, Fred, he was an Uber driver. Fred was such a bad Uber driver that every day he went out into his workplace. And because of him, people prayed every single day. And many people cried out to the name of Jesus continually because of Fred, the Uber driver. Listen, this morning I'm preaching. Don't sleep. Listen and pray. So I get a good mansion when I get to heaven. Again, that wasn't a true story and is not in fact reflective on the Bible in any way this morning. Let's go to, let's go to Psalm chapter 90. If you have a Bible, you can open it up. Can we just turn up the lights just a little bit for the paper Bible people here in the room? I know that they would like to see that. Just a little bit of lights there. Um, for, have we got any old school paper Bible people in the house? I know Toyin's down the front. She loves a little bit of light to see her Bible. Uh, Psalm chapter 90. Last week I started speaking a message uh, talking about what really matters in our life. And if you didn't, if you weren't here last week, you didn't hear that, you can actually get onto our podcast and you can uh, watch all of the messages that have gone by over the last couple of weeks, except for Pastor Jeff's. He teased me too much. No, that's not true. It's on there too. Uh, you can get all of them and you can uh, see what we talked about last week. I don't have the time to go into it today because I want to spend some time in Psalm 90. And uh, listen, Psalm 90 is actually a, a pen down prayer and message from Moses uh, when he's in the wilderness. You know, many of the Psalms, and in fact, theologians tell us this is one of the only Psalms attributed to Moses and he's in the wilderness and he's going through his journey and he begins to pray out a prayer and it's it's one of those prayers that's actually a message as well it's it's a message to the uh, to the children of Israel and it's not just a prayer to God 
it's, it's a message to their journey and it's a message to where they're at. And it's quite a powerful prayer and quite a powerful message. And in it, it gives us a good picture. And towards the end of chapter 90 of what really matters in life. But Moses starts laying out this prayer and really laying a foundation for what it looks like being what really matters in life. Let me start in this uh, verse 1 of Psalm chapter 90. Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. He's here speaking of the generations that have gone past. A couple of hundred years of those generations sat as slaves in Egypt. Now a generation has arised that has come out of Egypt. And he's speaking now of the generations even before that are there in his lineage. He says, God, you have always been our home. Other translations say you have been our refuge. You've been the place that we've run to when things have got tough. You've been where we've hidden when things have been difficult. Listen, if you want to understand the power of a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is the fact that He is a refuge. I guarantee you'll have times in your life when you will need God as a refuge in your world. You'll need God as a refuge in your life. You will need to run to Him. Some people find it weakness. Let me tell you, the greatest strength in my life is my refuge. Verse 2, before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world from the beginning to the end, you are God. You know what I, I see here, Moses giving the children of Israel during this prayer some incredible perspective. God, no matter what, from start to end, you're still God. No matter the situations, no matter the circumstances, if it's in the midst of creation or in the midst of the challenges that go on in the world around us, you're still God. But in verse 3 onwards, Moses gets a little bit dark. Don't you hate the moments in the Bible when we're speaking of the great refuge that's in God, but we come back to the darkness of reality of our lives. The darkness of the reality of what we face and what we go through every single day. Verse 3, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. Did anyone see that dark turn coming right there? Oh God, from beginning to end, you're my refuge. From the beginning to end, you're my God. But now I'm a mere mortal. And from dust I came, and from dust I'll return. He gets a little bit dark right here. It gets a little bit dark in the reality of the world that we live in and what we face. And in fact, he almost comes back and brings us back to the smallness of our lives. You know, I know somewhere in life, it seems like the, the massive years for some of us, 70, 80 plus years of living seems like a big deal. But when we look at the whole span of creation, all of a sudden life looks so small. And Moses is coming to this point to just point the people around him to the smallness of their life. He says, For a thousand years are as passing as a day, as brief as a few night hours. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They are like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it is dry and withered. Listen, he gets real dark just now. He starts to go, God, you're my refuge. Now he's like, listen, your life's going to be short. In fact, so short, it's like a dream. It's here and it's gone like the morning dew over the grass. He, listen, he's getting really dark in this. And I don't want you to walk out of here depressed. I promise. 
I promise by the end of this, Moses comes back to faith. Now, Moses wrote this in the wilderness, but many theologians tell us he in fact wrote it in that period of time through Exodus 20 when he has lost his sister, she's passed away. He's lost his brother who's been the priest who's now passed away. He's had a moment in his life where his leadership was at its worst and he got angry at the children of Israel. And the Bible tells us he strikes the rock that he was supposed to speak to. He gets angry and it causes God to speak to him and say, listen, Moses, you, you won't walk into the inheritance, but others will walk in before you. He's at this moment in his life when he's probably a little upset when he begins to pray to God. Again, he's lost his sister. She's just passed away. Aaron's just passed away. He's there upset. He's there distraught. I'm not going to make it there. Oh God, this is awesome. You're my refuge. You've been the refuge of the generations. But my life is just going to turn to dust. I'm not going to get what I want. My brother's dead. My sister's dead. Everything seems to be going bad right now. He's having a dark moment. Anyone had one of those in their journey? Had one of those in their life when it just seems like it's not great, things aren't going awesome? But he's reminded of the reality that things come and things go. Moses here is just trying to set up, I promise you, the children of Israel to come back to a picture of faith and to come back to what really matters. But he's not quite fully done yet with his dark moments. Verse 7. We wither beneath your anger. We're overwhelmed by your fury. You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, you see them all. We live our lives beneath your wrath, ending our years with a groan. You know, when I was a kid, I always, you know, like in Sunday school, they talked about the judgment day when we stand before God. And I always imagined as a kid, I'm not sure if anyone was like me, I imagined this like going up to heaven and we're like this and we're looking up at the screen and God's starting to show my sins, my secret ones. You know, I didn't really mind God seeing my secret sins, but I always was worried about mum and dad checking out what I'd done in my life. <laughs> anyone look like that? Like, that was something I imagined as a kid. I imagined that God just like, hey, David, you might have known some stuff, but you didn't know about this. Even worse, hey Trish, you might have known some stuff, but Tim was a bad boy. Yeah. God sees it all. Listen, maybe you're sitting in here right now feeling like you got some stuff hidden from God. Let me just give you an insight into Moses' reality right here. And in the reality for our lives, he says, you spread out our sins before you, our secret sins. You see them all. You know, I am continually reminded that God hates sin. We serve and worship a holy God. We worship a holy, righteous God. He hates sin. He loves humanity, but He hates the brokenness of sin that is enveloping our communities. It's enveloping people's lives every single day. And listen, God hates it so much that His fury is there against sin. Again, not necessarily against people. He's Love is for people, but he has a great hate for sin. Verse 10, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. I look around this room. There's a couple that maybe even stretched their way past 80 right now. Some of you look like you did and you haven't yet, but <laughs> let's go on from that. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. 
he echoes here what we see from Solomon. When Solomon makes a statement, he says, vanity of vanities, breath of a breath. This is the life we live. It's a breath in, it's a breath out. It's quick, it goes by. He says, these moments disappear. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Again, Moses has got real dark, real deep, real scary. But I promise you, he's setting us up for the reality of what really matters. Verse 12, teach us, he prays, to realise the brevity of life, the shortness of life, so that we may grow in wisdom. You know, there's always two responses to the reality that we have a short life. Number one response is, what does my life really matter? What does it mean to be alive? Why am I even here? That's a response of fear and of brokenness. We look around the world today, we see that response continually from people. They outwork that response in a brokenness of living. They outwork that response in messed up thinking around areas of their world and who they are. Or there's a secondary response to the briefness and the shortness of our life. It's the reality that every single moment counts. That as we see in the book of Esther, that we've been put on this planet for such a time as this, for such a moment as today, for such a moment as now. Moses is setting up the children of Israel with the reality of the fact that he doesn't want to bring them to a place of depression and anxiety. Why am I even here? But he wants to bring them to a place of understanding that there is a purpose for every person's life that we'd understand. Yes, our life is short. There's a brief moment. It's a brief picture in history, but that moment now needs to be grasped and we need to take a hold of the reality that God has put me here now. He's placed me on the earth. My life is for today. I've got to live it to its full. I've got to take a hold of my life. We have a community letting life go by, just living in brokenness, staying in their despair. Listen, I know many of us have come through challenge and God takes a hold of our life today. And listen, He's breathing into me. He's breathing into you the reality that we'd see the brevity of our life and we'd know that God, we must grow into all You have for us. That's what He says, that we'd grow into wisdom. The wisdom that you've been created for this day, you've been created for this moment, you've been created for now. Our lives may be small, but listen, your life is never insignificant. Your time may be short, so live it to its fullest. Verse 13, O Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your, on your servants. God, make this journey Filled with power because you're with me. That's how I read that. God, make this journey be absolutely worked to its full because I know you're by my side. And because you're by my side, we're walking together. We're walking in purpose. We're walking with the picture of life that you have for us. What really matters? Verse 14. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so that we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Can I just highlight one word for a second? Satisfy. You know, Jesus is talking to a woman by the well and He says, you drink from this well, you'll be thirsty again. 
But when you drink of me, there's a satisfying aspect of your life that's found in Jesus Christ. There's a satisfying aspect of our world. We can get so caught up in trying to be satisfied in every area of our life. Listen, you'll never be satisfied by a promotion. You will never be satisfied in a job. You'll never be satisfied by a title. You'll never be satisfied by a pat on the back. You'll never be satisfied with the congratulations. You'll never be satisfied with the trophy. You'll never be satisfied looking like somebody's believing in me. That's not the place of finding satisfaction. It's found in Jesus Christ. We're satisfied in Jesus. Those other things are good. They're great additions to being satisfied in Christ. Some people look to be satisfied in their life through a marriage partner. I, I, I am blessed with an incredible wife. This October, 25 years of marriage. I am grateful for Wendy. I am grateful for walking these last many years by her side. Praise God for that. But she could never fully satisfy me. I, I have to be satisfied in Christ. And it's enabled the woman to come and be my helpmate in life and walk beside me the way that God created husbands and wives to walk together. Listen, I'm a great husband. But I was never good enough to fully fill what that woman needed in her heart. Wendy needed to encounter Christ, have a heart renewed and restored and healed and healed and being satisfied in Jesus that I can again come and walk beside her hand in hand for the last 25 years. Being satisfied in Christ has in fact helped her to put up with me sometimes, I'm sure. Thanks for those encouraging words, Dad. Lucky I'm satisfied in Christ today. It's the satisfaction that's found in Jesus that walks us through these other areas of life. Again, praise God for the bosses that encourage you. Praise God for people in this room getting job promotions. Praise God for high achievers in this room achieving great things. Those things are great. Those things are wonderful. Those things are part of God's plan in our lives. They're awesome. But they're not a place of satisfaction. If you've walked into here unsatisfied with your life, unsatisfied even with success, Turn your eyes to Jesus today at the end of the service. Listen, we'll be praying and saying, God, come and be that place in my life. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love. With your unfailing love. If there is a message the world needs to hear more than anything today, it's that. I noticed during the week and a very sad picture of, of, a, of a man, very similar age to me, committing suicide. A very successful man, achieved huge amounts, yet taking his own life. So sad. And I know all of us have been affected in, in, in the years gone by by situations like this. And I don't want to belittle it by just saying it's a simple solution. But there is a solution that this world needs. It's found in the satisfaction that comes through Christ's unfailing love. And it's the emptiness, the profound emptiness that comes living a life outside of that, that success is not enough, that high achieving is not enough. 
Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so that we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. That we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. You know what? That joy is found in Jesus Christ. It's found in a deep, profound relationship with walking with Him. You know, I watched both my grandmothers in the end of their days singing for joy at the end of their lives because of the deep and powerful relationship that both those grandmothers had with Jesus Christ. In 1997, I think it was, or 96, my mum's mum lay there, body riddled with cancer, but lay there in her last hours singing for joy at the great love that she had for Jesus Christ. I watched my father's mum as she was there, 7,000 years old, she looked like at the time, in the in mid to late 90s, I believe. She lay there on that bed, that body completely broken down, but a spirit that was so strong because of a deep love for Jesus Christ. It's the end of our days that are wrapped up in what we have in Jesus wrapped up as we sing for joy to the end of our lives. Maybe that we die with a broken old body, but strong, powerful spirit satisfied in the water that comes through Christ. Verse 15. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. What a prayer. Listen, remember, I want you to think on why he prays this prayer. Aaron and his brothers died. His sisters just passed away. They've come out of, out of slavery and they've come out of brokenness and mess and now they're stuck in a wilderness with a million frustrating people. And he's there going through hundreds of years of brokenness, hundreds of years of slavery, hundreds of years of wrong thinking, hundreds of years of being caught up in the messed up belief systems that was the children of Israel at this point. And he says, now will you make the end of our years for the people of Israel in proportion to the brokenness of what we've just come through? What a statement. What a big statement. You may enter this room having a lot of brokenness in your past. I look around this room and I realise there are some stories here. And I've heard many of them. There are some stories of coming out of poverty. There's stories of coming to this nation as a refugee. There's stories, stories here of abuse, of hurt, of disappointment, of heartache and frustration. But a prayer here that Moses shows us and teaches us to pray. God, in proportion to the brokenness that the enemy want for, wanted for my life, of what he tried to build around me, of what the enemy had done, of that same proportion, God, I pray that You would pour out such blessing into my future. Such blessing into my future. Some of us need to make this prayer a daily prayer, that we take a hold of this of the proportion of the mess of my past, where the enemy thought he had me down, where the enemy thought he was destroying my life, where he thought he'd caught me up in abuse, he'd caught me up in brokenness, he caught me up in hurt, he'd caught me up in anxiety. From that same proportion, my God, you'd pour out blessing on my future. In fact, he finishes that and says, replace the evil years with good. Replace the evil years with good. 
with good. Saint Basil said this, it's not he who begins well who is perfect, it's he who ends well who is approved in God's sight. Listen, I know you may have started up pretty messed up. I know you may not have had a great background, a great growing up, but I don't want to speak to that in any other light than say this, the beauty of the gospel is your background doesn't matter. Where you came from doesn't matter. I had lunch with our senior pastor, Pastor Mark, during the week and we're sitting and we're chatting and he was encouraging me again of the reality. Our senior pastor is a first generation Christian. He grew up in a mess of brokenness and he encountered Jesus Christ. And now his whole generations have changed because he encountered Jesus. His wife encountered Jesus. And now they are serving God in a powerful way. Listen, you may be like that. You may have grown up messed up, broken, not knowing Christ. But today, let me tell you, Jesus is here to remind you that what happened yesterday doesn't speak to your future. Moses' prayer here is, is, is replace the evil years with good. Again, he's looking back to hundreds of years of slavery. He's looking back to a people that's mindset was only slavery. He's looking back to a people that were happy to stay in wilderness, couldn't even enter into the promised land because their mindsets were so broken. Now he says, God, come and replace the evil of yesterday. Replace it all and bring good around minds, good around thinking, good around hearts. Listen, it's not how we started, it's how we finish. It's how we take a hold of God's promises into our future. This is why he prayed that prayer. He says, let us, your servants, verse 16, see your work again. Let our children see your glory. Let us see your work again. God, let me see your work in my marriage. God, let me see your work in my finances. God, let me see your work in my business world. Let me see your work in my kids. Let me see your work in my grandkids. Let me see your work in my mind as we partner together, renewed thinking. Let me see your work in my emotions as I battle fear and anxiety. Let me see your work in my belief systems as I change the way I think, coming out of slavery, coming out of bondage, coming out of brokenness, back into a place of wholeness for my life. Let our children see your glory. Now he's praying this prayer in a place of pushing towards the promised land. And he's saying, let our children see the promises that laid ahead. You know, the fullness of promises aren't always outworked in my everyday life, but they're outworked as my children rise into what God has created them to be. He said, let my children see your glory. Saying, let my children see what happens in the promised land. Let them see the promises of God outworked for our life. Let them see your glory bigger than I've ever seen, bigger than I've ever understood, bigger than what I've ever known. You know, the greatest picture for our lives in Christ is this. He has redeemed us. He's taken us from brokenness. He's taken us from mess. He's restoring our lives that we see the miracles of God. And our children can continually walk in the glory of God. Verse 17. And may the Lord our God show us His approval. You know, Joel Osteen said this, you don't have to have everyone's approval, you just have to have God's approval. Now I know we have some sanguine people in this room. 
that love the approval of others. I got a dad that just loves it when people encourage him because he's a sanguine. And if somebody doesn't like him, he gets deeply hurt. It's because he just loves to be liked. That's a part of his personality makeup. And he's a pretty likable guy. It's a good thing. Some of us are like that. And that's great. That's how God created you. But listen, the greatest approval we need is God's approval. Miles Munro said this, knowing that we are loved by God, accepted by God, approved by God, and that we are new creations in Christ empowers us to reject self-rejection and embrace a healthy self-love. Being secure in God's love for us, our love for Him, and our love for ourselves prepares us to fulfill the second greatest commandment to actually love our neighbours as ourselves. It's what happens when we realise that we're improved in Christ. My behaviour of yesterday isn't approved, but I'm approved because of the cross and what Jesus has done through His blood in my life. The situations that are around me aren't approved, but I'm approved because God has put His righteousness and imputed, the Bible says, into my life. He has put it in me through the cross, not through my good actions. Maybe you say, I'm approved because I'm good enough. And if that's your attempt today, stop it. Turn back to Christ and realise our attempts are always messed up. It's the beauty of the gospel that brings transformation to our lives because we're approved in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus. And he wraps it up, what really matters, and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. You know, when we find the reality in Christ of His approval, then life flows from that point. We find the reality that we stand before Jesus loved, covered by grace, transformed in the image of Christ, that's when the rest of this begins to flow. It's a powerful thing. It's found in Jesus. It's found in His love. And it's found in His grace. It's found through the cross and in His blood over our lives alone. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank You. We thank You for the beauty of the cross, the power of what You do in our lives. We thank You for it, Jesus. God, we thank You that we're not dictated too by what has happened in our past. God, though at times, sometimes it speaks to us and tries to dictate to our lives. But Jesus, the cross is sufficient. The grace is sufficient. Your blood is sufficient for our lives and for our future. And I thank you, my God. We find our approval found firmly in Jesus Christ and his great love for us. Thank you, my King. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you mean to us and mean to our lives. I thank you, Jesus. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed right across this room this morning. Maybe you're here and you don't know the beauty and the grace of Jesus in your life. Maybe you've been around that before and you at times tried to open your life to Christ, but here this morning, you know I need to Reopen my life to Jesus. If you're hearing like that this morning, I want to ask you to do something simple. Right there in your seat, I'd love you to give me a wave. Say, Pastor Tim, I want to open my life to Christ. Listen, His approval's there for you. His grace is there for you. Thank you, young man. You can put that hand down. Who else this morning says, yes, Pastor Tim, I need that. Pray for me. Pray for me. I want to open my life to Christ. 
I want to join that one this morning. Pray for me as well. Quickly today. This moment here right now is for you. It's beautiful and it's profound. Open my life to Christ. Maybe in the past, you knew Christ. Things got blurry. Things got messed up. Anyone like that this morning before we pray for that one? Thank you, Jesus. My God, I thank you right now. I thank you, my God. I thank you for your great grace. God, is that hand lifted, a heart opened to you. It opened to your goodness. It opened to your mercy. It opened to your great grace. I pray that today you wash over that life. Put your hand upon them. Put your grace over them today. God, I pray you come and you wash away yesterday. Wash it away. White as snow, your word says. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you for your hand upon them. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give that person a right. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.